Thank you for listening to the Ablaze Church Sermon Podcast. Our purpose at Ablaze is to love God, love others, follow Jesus, and tell others. If you are looking for a church home in the Tulsa area, we'd love to have you join us for worship on Saturdays at 6.30 p.m. or Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at ablazechurch.org. I don't know about you, but I identify myself as a brother, as a son, as an uncle. I identify myself as a father, a stepfather, a husband, and an opa. (laughs) Uh, If you don't know what that is, that's German for grandfather. Okay, as a grandparent, I also identify myself as a pastor and as a teacher and for some, hopefully, a friend. But above all and foremost, I identify myself as a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. How do you identify yourself first? And foremost, well, today it is Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior himself, who speaks to all of us, including his disciples, about the risk and the reward of being a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. But before we dig into this word from Jesus, I'd like to give you the context of where Jesus says this. Jesus is with his disciples, and he makes that famous question that only Peter seems to get right. Who do people say that I am? Peter, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Yes, I'm building my church on this. Okay? Then Jesus is explaining to his disciples the risk and the reward that he's going to take and the risk and reward that they're going to take. And in the middle of this explanation, Peter jumps up. Okay? Peter jumps up after Jesus says these words. Now, here's my risk and reward. I am going to go to Jerusalem. And there, at the hands of the elders, the priests and the scribes, I'm going to suffer. And I'm going to die. That is, be crucified. Then he says, but don't worry about it. On the third day, I will rise from the dead. Now, that part of the words of Jesus, I believe the disciples did not hear at all. It went right over their head. And the reason we know that is because Peter jumps up. Never, Lord. Never will this happen to you. Suffer and die and be crucified. And you know how Jesus responds? Get behind me, Satan. Whew. Those are some hard words. But what Jesus was hearing was an echo of the words of the devil when he was tempted in the wilderness three and a half years earlier. Remember the devil tempted Jesus? He was hungry, turned these rocks into stones with safety. Throw yourself up the peak of the temple and the Lord will protect you. Then he says, see, he shows them all the kingdoms of the world, and all the glory of the world. And he says, this I will give to you if you just bow down and worship me. The devil was tempting Jesus with no cross, no suffering. I'll just 
give it to you. You see, the devil doesn't want the cross. So Peter, in his mind, wanting a victorious Lord, doesn't want the cross either. Never, Lord. He doesn't want Jesus to suffer. That's not the one he wants to follow. He wants a victorious Messiah. There is no Christianity without the cross. Without the cross, you can't have Christianity. Jesus was trying to explain to his disciples his first coming, a suffering servant, and his second coming, victorious as judge of the world. But in the middle of all that, Peter jumps up. (laughs) So now Jesus is explaining to the disciples their future risk and reward. Let's take a closer look at that. Follow along once again as I share with you the insights. Verse 24. Then Jesus told his disciples. Now, what is a disciple? Now, the followers of Jesus at this time knew exactly what a disciple was. Someone who followed a person and lived with him day in and day out. Not someone you hang out with for an hour on Sunday morning. A disciple was somebody who studied and was trained by another, and followed him, and mimicked him, and did what he did. That was not always easy, but they understood that. Now, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ were not first called Christians. Before they were ever called Christians, they were called disciples of the Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ. In fact, in Acts chapter 11, 26, that's when we're told later on that the disciples were first called Christians. Now, that name Christian at the time was kind of a derogatory name to make disciples of Jesus embarrassed. Oh, you're just Christians, but Christians and developed that and took hold of that and said, wow, we like that. So what is a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? Christ-like, a Christian. Hmm. And we love that name today. Maybe you identify as a Christian. That means you're a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he talks about the risk and the rewards. Let's take a closer look at that. If anyone would come after me, Now, the Greek term here, I think, explains this a lot better. The Greek term is philos, which means desire. If anybody desires, what are your desires this morning? If anyone desires to come after me, okay, there's a risk. Now, it is our desires that we make decisions by. If you're hungry... You make the decision to eat. In fact, there have been studies about this and professionals. Maybe you've heard or remember in school Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Well, those deal with desires. If you're hungry, bottom line, 
food and drink. The next, safety. You make decisions about safety. The next is love and belongings. And then there's, as we go up that pyramid, self-esteem and self-actualization. Now, we make decisions in life based upon those needs. But it is Jesus who says, you know, there are spiritual needs. There's another level to our life. And it is the Holy Spirit who shares those needs with us. An example would be the need to have our sins removed, to be forgiven. The need to know there's something more to life than just what I'm experiencing. And then there's that ultimate need of eternity. We're told in the Bible that God has placed eternity into the hearts hearts of men. We say, is there more to this life? What happens when I die? Now, the older you get, the more you'll be concerned about that because you realize your mortality. And it is the Holy Spirit through the Word of God that answers those questions and those needs and gives us the answer to those needs in life. He points us to Jesus who can only forgive our sins. We can't go to Jesus on our own, only through the Holy Spirit. He makes us realize there's more to life. There's just not the physical life. There's a spiritual portion to our life. And then when it comes to eternity, there's only one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus. So Jesus shares, if you want to come after me, here's the risk. He says, number one, let him deny himself. Number two, take up his cross. Number three, follow me. Those are the risks if you want to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what does it mean to deny yourself? It's not what some people do in tradition of Lent, where they give up chocolate or ice cream. (laughs) That's not what he's talking about, denying yourself. He's talking about the person in the mirror, denying that person. Mm. It's not easy. How many of you, I, I want you to know I'm very proud to be born and raised in the United States of America. (laughs) I'm so proud of that. How many of you are proud to be an American? Well, good to hear. Good to hear. Because here in America, we do it our way. Here in America, we have the glory that we, hey, uh, I did it my way. I'm my own man. I create my own path. In fact, do we not once a year on the 4th of July celebrate the decorations of independence, our independence from the king and the British Empire? Yeah, we love to celebrate that. Jesus reverses that idea. It's not the decoration of independence, but the decoration of dependence. Yeah. You see, denying yourself is denying any value in yourself, any ability in yourself to do anything. When it comes to Maslow's pyramid hierarchy, when it comes to food and drink, I'm totally dependent upon God. That's why when you say the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread, what do we say? 
and forgive us our sins. Yeah, when it comes to safety, I'm totally dependent upon God. When it comes to love and belonging, I'm totally dependent upon God. When it comes to self-esteem, I have none. Just divine esteem. When it comes to self-actualization, I don't have that. I only exist because of God. You see, it's the Big Bang and evolution that is the decoration of independence of a God and a creator. It is creation that is the decoration of dependence on a God. And that's what the Bible is all about. We are dependent on the creator. So when Jesus says, hey, if you desire, which comes from the Holy Spirit, to follow me. Number one, you got to deny yourself. Your own ability to get anything done or to save yourself. And then he says a second thing. He says, pick up your cross. Hmm, look at that. He must deny himself and take up his cross. Now, for you and I, when we think of a cross, like over here, we don't really think about that too much today. But the disciples knew exactly what he was saying. You see, crucifixion was an everyday common occurrence in the lives of the disciples and Jesus. In fact, he was talking about his crucifixion. Now, experts tell us that during the life of Jesus Christ, three and a half years, Rome managed to crucify 30,000 people. See, here in Oklahoma, what do we have? A jail, sheriff, county jail. We have David L. Moss. We have federal prisons, state prisons. Every little town has a jail. That's not the way they operated during the time of Jesus. The Roman Empire ruled. And if you were in jail, it was just for a short period until they decided what to do with you. And that was either crucify for being a robber or a thief or set free because you were innocent. Crucifixion was so common. It, how many times have you seen a cop with those lights pulling a person over, right? Yeah. Well, that's a deterrent. How many times have you driven down the road? You see the lights, whoa, you slow way down, right? Well, when they'd see somebody crucified, everybody stopped and said, mm, I better be very careful what I'm doing. So when Jesus said, pick up your cross, this is what he was saying. Are you willing to die? My question to you, what are you willing to die for? What hill? Don't, don't we say, uh, I'm not going to... That's not the hill I'm going to die on. Hmm. What's the hill you're not going to die on? And what is the hill you're willing to die on? Is it your 401k? Your retirement program? Is it your career? Is it your house? Is it your children? Your spouse? What hill are you willing to die on? It is Jesus clearly explaining to these disciples, it better be following me. That's what you better be willing to die for, following me. Now, Judas hung himself, and then the 12 came together. They had another one brought in, Matthias. And guess what? 11 of those 12 were martyred. 
died for their faith and for following Jesus Christ. Peter, who jumped up, was crucified upside down. And when you were crucified, you had to carry the cross member of the cross. So they knew exactly what it meant to pick up the cross. Do you realize what Jesus asks of you? We're blessed today. We don't have to face crucifixion. Somebody here, when we think about picking up the cross, might say, well, yeah, I'm married. (laughs) Okay, you know, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about what are you willing to die for? What's worth risking it all for? And the answer is Jesus. This is what he says. Let him deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. Now, following Jesus is what these disciples were doing. Following Jesus is not just hanging out, as I said a little bit earlier, one hour on Sunday morning. It's 24-7. It's making Jesus the forefront of your life. It's following Jesus and saying, this is how I'm going. This is what I'll do. And where he leads, I will follow. That's the risk. And then Jesus says, let me share with you the reward. Let's take a look at that. 26. For what will it profit a man? If he gains the whole world, remember the devil tempting Jesus with the whole world and the world's glory and forfeits his soul, meaning the mountain or the hill you better stand on is what's best for your soul or what shall a man give in return for his soul? 25, I missed it. Let me jump back. Sorry about that. I'm going to go back to 24. Whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Got a question. Have you ever played the game? I played follow the leader. Have you ever played or said these words? Finers, keepers, losers, weepers. How many of you have ever said those words or played that game? (laughs) Yeah. Ah, That's the world's glory. Well. You see, it is Jesus who introduces a spiritual glory, the Father's glory, the glory he is sharing with all of us this morning. Losers, keepers, finders, weepers. If you try to find it all on your own, you'll be weeping. But if you're willing to lose your life, You will keep it and your soul in heaven. That's the reward. (laughs) The risk is everything. The reward is everything. He says, "What, what can you give for your soul? What could you possibly pay God? Nothing. You can't. You can't do it on your own. The only way you're going to keep your soul is to follow Jesus. Risk it all. Listen to what else he says. 27. Now, he talked about his first coming, suffer and die. Now, he shares with him, with the disciples, that's you and I, his second coming. Okay? 
For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of the Father, and then he will pay each person according to what he has done. We confess that in the Apostles' Creed, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. 28, truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Now, the kingdom of God is always one of authority and power and might. Seeing Jesus come totally into that authority, I believe that Jesus is talking about the next thing that happens right after this called the transfiguration, where Jesus is literally transformed metamorphosized before them in all of his glory, the glory that we see in the kingdom of God. Others will tell you, well, these folks did not die, many of them, because they were alive when Jesus died and rose on the third day. And we see his glory and his kingdom, that is the salvation of mankind, coming into our world and being completed. That's when Jesus said, it is finished. Either way, I believe what Jesus is saying, looking to the future and say a metamorphosis will take place in your life. And let me explain it in a way that for some of you might think is a little crude, but hear me out, okay? Are we not the body of Christ? Are we not the hands and the feet and the mouth of the body of Christ? Now, there is a preacher by the name of Juan Carlos Ortiz that explains it in a way that we might understand biologically. What kind of happens when you become a truly devoted, committed follower of Jesus Christ. Let me explain it the way he does. Imagine a pig. Got it? And it's butchered. And a pork chop comes to you. And you eat that pork chop. Okay? And now it's in your stomach. And along comes your gastric juices the juices and acids in your stomach, and they come up to the pork chop and say, hello, and the pork chop says, who are you? He says, well, we're here to devour you. <laughs> we're to digest you. And the pork chop, pork chop looks at those digestive juices and forget it. I'm my own pork chop. You're not going to touch me. I want nothing to do with this body. Now, what are... What is the body's option? There's really only one. Have you ever had something in your stomach that your stomach didn't like? Or your body rejected? What happens? It comes out of the stomach and through the mouth. We vomit it out, right? I know that's kind of gross. Where does that kind of terminology come from? Jesus himself. Listen to what he says to the followers. A church. He says, you're neither hot or cold. You're lukewarm. And because of that, I am going to vomit you out. That means at one time you were inside of him if he's going to spit or vomit you out, right? 
Now, where does that idea come? Isn't it Martin Luther who talks about the word of God we should inwardly digest? You see, that's a metamorphosis. I know it's kind of strange. That takes place when we eat something. It becomes part of our body, right? It no longer exists. And that's part of that spiritual explanation of what God wants to happen to his disciples. We become a part of the Lord Jesus Christ and the old flesh no longer exists. Listen to the words of Paul as he explains it in 2 Corinthians. Those of us who have beheld the glory of the Lord are being transformed into His same likeness. Transformed, metamorphosized into His likeness from one degree of glory to the other. If I dare say from our personal glory to His glory, the Father's glory, because that's what it's all about. Listen to the words of Paul about your baptism and mine. Those of us who have been baptized into Christ have been baptized into His death. And since we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall be united with Him in a resurrection like His. How does that happen? He explains it. Through the crucifixion of self. Hmm. Yeah. The destruction of self. The death of self. Listen to the words of Jesus. Go and make disciples. By baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey, train them to obey all that God has commanded. And listen to the promise. And lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. We are with him always to the end of the age. Hmm. Why? Because we become the body of Christ. The hands and the feet of Christ. That means if Jesus carried the cross, he's carried it for us. If he died on the cross, he died on that cross for us. When he rose, he rose for us. <laughs> when he ascended into heaven, we too will ascend to heaven. And when he is in heaven, we too shall be in heaven. Why? Because we are the body of Christ as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I leave you with this thought. Who do you identify with this morning? Hmm? Do you identify yourself first and foremost as a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? If not, I pray you will. Will you or are you able to make the decision to deny yourself? Through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can how about picking up that cross? Do you know what hill you're willing to die on? <laughs> and through the power of the Holy Spirit, he'll guide you and lead you to make Jesus number one. 
and just to follow him. That is a blessing. That is not a curse. <laughs> Why? Because we, come, we become a part of him. That is good news. My prayer for you, if you are not, that you will become a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, there's a risk, but <laughs> the reward is immeasurable. Amen. <laughs>